0: Now, portions of the following program may be pre recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: To pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear a starry crown. Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's let's go go down, down, let's go go down. down. Come on.
2: I have all of my life desired a much deeper sense of the presence of God. It seems to me that that's the most precious thing to be in the presence of Jesus. What I didn't know was how to find that presence of Jesus. What I didn't know was was that it was impossible to find the presence of Jesus by what I was doing. I thought, if I read the scriptures and I pray, that should be enough. That's what I am required to do, to read the scriptures and pray. Some people have thought, if I could just lift my hands and sing the Christian songs. Some people, in every spare moment, they have their music on. When they're riding in their car, they have their music on. When they're home, the music is on. These things do not bring me into the presence of God. They may create a sentimental feeling that I'm in God's presence. But they are false. They are sentimental, and they don't bring you into the actual presence of Jesus. Do you think Jesus sits around listening to music all day? I don't think so. So how do I enter into the presence of Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit, I want to give you some very simple ways, albeit they will be uncomfortable ways, but they will do such a wonder in your heart. To find the presence of Jesus, first of all, will take time. There are no shortcuts. You can't cut on the music and and in two minutes begin to feel the presence of Jesus. That's your own sentimentality. It's not Jesus. When you begin to search for Jesus, you will need to find a deep conviction of sin In your heart. Backslidden professors cannot wake up and begin right away to no longer be backslidden. It requires a deep searching of your heart. The foundations of sin need to be broken up. Christians are always brought under such conviction. They see their sins in such a light that often they find it impossible to maintain a hope of their acceptance with God. Almost always, when you begin to truly search for the for the presence of Jesus, you'll go through a time where you doubt that you can be accepted by God. Backsliding or backslidden Christians must be brought to repentance. For the doorway into intimacy with Jesus is not prayer. It's not music. Intimacy with Jesus is not information. It's not the reading of Scripture. Intimacy with with Jesus is always brought about by a very stern and close look at your life. Intimacy with Jesus is nothing less than a determination in our hearts and a, a walking out in our life of a new obedience to Jesus Christ. And the first step. Is always deep repentance, a breaking down of the heart, a getting down into the dust, allowing the Holy Spirit to bring deep humility and a forsaking of all sin. Now, if you're going to have a true revival of of your heart, it's going to be a true revival of godliness. It's going to be a conscious decision. I mean, that old song i used to sing so much about coming to jesus and the closer i came to jesus the things of earth faded away in the light of his glory and grace but you see we all have our our favorite sins As I speak to you today, some of you have been faced with with great disappointment. Someone did not do what you wanted them to do. Maybe your husband said no. Or your wife refused. Or someone that you love very much rejected you. And in your heart the door of your heart swung shut. And you're bitter because they would not do what you wanted them to do or go where you wanted them to go. They said, it's not fair. I always do what you want to do. Why don't you do what I want to do? Bitterness is one of the most dangerous things to a man or woman's soul where you're angry because they stand in your way. It corrodes your heart and then you forget about it except you don't. You hold a grudge. You find a way to get even. You're not happy. You're angry. That kind of condition will prevent you from entering into the presence of Jesus. Or idols. things that we hold more precious than anyone else or anything else. And our heart turns sour. Some of you are quite upset that your life has not worked out the way you wanted it to work out that you consider some of life's circumstances to be ultimately unfair, that you were, or your family was cheated and falsely accused. And you demand justice. And you go to Jesus, and you can't get through. You just you can't break through. You say, I love Jesus, but look how unfairly I'm being treated. I'm angry. I try, I try, I try. I can't break through to Jesus. I have repented. I have done everything necessary. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. You don't get through to Jesus. You don't come into the presence of the Holy Spirit with any kind of demands. Demands will block your way with the Spirit of God. You must come to a place where you lay your life down. And you may say, yes, it was unfair to me, but it's okay. I give it to Jesus, and he will work out whatever he wants to work out. And I recognize that I'm not in charge. And it's not up to me to be demanding or bitter or angry. It's not up to me to carry a grudge. It's not up to me to let a a bitterness grow in my soul. Now you want the presence of Jesus in your life? Then the word is surrender. Give up what you think you are owed. Give up your judgment that someone else is wrong. I've told you this parable before. I don't know where it ever came from, but it's a good parable. A man is abruptly taken before the judge. And he's put in prison. He knows that he did some things that were wrong, but not at such a a level that without some fairness he would not have been released. And so he's protesting his innocence. constantly protesting that he is innocent that he should not have been put in prison and finally in that protesting of innocence time goes by every day they bring him a tray in jail they slide it through a an opening at the bottom of the door and he like an animal has to bend down and pick up his food he's not being treated with any dignity he believes he is due respect but now he's just a number in the prison he is hopeless enough time has passed that he knows he is not going to get out quickly. So day after day he goes through the indignity of bending down and picking up his tray off the floor. One day he is laying on his cement slab with a a thin pad on it. And he looks up and he's seen it many times before. There is a a small window up there. And this day he looks up and he sees the leaves of a tree through that small opening in his prison. And he hears the sweet song of a robin. As he considers this, it suddenly dawns on his heart. that time is passing by. And he recognizes that it's his life that is passing by. When suddenly a, a deep, deep conviction comes into his heart. And he says... I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And as he considers the fact that he is guilty and that life is passing him by and that he is hopelessly imprisoned, shut away from family, friends, life, Life is going on without him. It's passing him by. And as he considers this, a deep hopelessness comes over his heart. He knows he can do nothing to escape. He knows he's in prison. That night, when his jailer brings him his meal to slide it under, he chokes out in sobs I'm guilty. The jailer usually does not respond. To his demands to be released and his insistence that he's innocent. Instead, the jailer said to him, What did you just say? And the prisoner said, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. He hears the the prison warden, jailer walking away. But he also sees a strange thing. The door seems to be slightly open. He goes over and he tests the door. And the door swings open. He looks down the long hall. And nobody's there. And he begins to walk down that long hall to another door. When he reaches that door, he pushes on it and it too swings open and it leads directly to the warm, open air. And he walks out of jail a free man You may be making all kinds of demands, protesting your innocence, thinking how desperately unfair you've been treated. But you never walk out of the jail of your own heart until you recognize your guilt before a holy and righteous God who is prepared to forgive you, but not until you admit your bitter anger and your demands to be heard. You're not free. You're in the prison you're in the prison of bitterness. Listen to the scripture. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What is it that prompts Jesus to come to you and bring his... Glorious presence into your heart. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? If you love me, you will obey what I command. In other words, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. If you want the presence of Jesus in your heart, You must love him. And you must obey what he commands. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So there will be a time of this repentance, of this recognition of the desperate situation you are in. And you will feel all alone. And you'll even be angry because you're all alone. Jesus said, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. Yes, he will come to you. But first there is the issue that must be dealt with of disobedience. Of selfish demands. Of accusations. These issues must be dealt with. And as they are dealt with and put away under the blood of Jesus, you will recognize that you are not an orphan. Jesus has come to you. Some of you are so overwhelmed by how hard life is that your heart has become like
0: granite.
2: And you consider it to be very unfair. Why has Jesus not come to you? Why has He left you as an orphan? Because you love yourself more than Him, and you are not obeying what He commands. He says, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. In other words, you will come to a place through repentance and through a letting go of bitterness, through humble obedience to Jesus, Stop demanding your own way. Stop demanding what you think is just and fair for you. Let your heart be counseled by the Holy Spirit. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. We have the commands of Jesus in the Scriptures and the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is saying, if you obey what I've taught you in the Sermon on the Mount, I'll know you love me. You see, love is not this sentimental, sweet, let's listen to the music that blocks that blocks the holy spirit from moving in your heart that's why when i begin to hold public meetings again and that i pray will be soon i'm not going to bring in 30 or 45 minutes of praise and worship music that's guaranteed to prevent you from dealing with the truth about your heart. Oh, but pastor, it feels so good. Yes, it's sentimental. And yes, it's even true. The music may be very true. But if listening to that music prevents you from having an honest take On the wickedness of your heart, you will cause the Holy Spirit to withdraw. Charles Finney, when he would hold an evangelistic meeting, would often lead the music for one or two hymns, maybe even three hymns. And then the music would stop and the conviction of the Holy Spirit would begin as he laid bare the scriptures. I think of other old timers. They would not hold a 45-minute worship, praise and worship service before he preached. He said that was guaranteed to remove all conviction of sin and put the people in a very pleasant place. Instead, he would, he would lead the congregation in one song, and then he would begin his sermon. No fanfare. Just the straight word of God. And before the sermon was over, people were awakened and aware and were on their faces dealing with the holy God of heaven and turning aside from all sentimentality, just dealing with the disobedience of their hearts. He said, I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you, and whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him. And show him to myself. This is John 14. I have been much concerned. About entering fully into the presence of Jesus. And for some reason no one ever. Ever said to me. The way you enter into the presence of Jesus. Jesus. And the way you glory in that presence is to lay down all self. To repent. Some of you just don't want to repent, you would rather be comforted by religion in your sin and for some of you sin is is a small thing it's your anger your self-righteousness your concern for getting ahead in life it's not cursing or swearing or doing many other evil things. It's its just you. And when you begin to consider you before a holy and righteous God, all you can say is with a man who was in prison, I'm innocent. I don't deserve this. But when you come to yourself, you begin to recognize you're guilty before a holy and righteous God. Over here in in John 16, all this I've, I've told you so that you will not go astray. The word astray here in the Greek is scandalize all that I have told you so that you will not scandalize yourself. They will put you out of the synagogue. That sounds like a scandal. No, they will put you out of the synagogue because you love and accept Jesus. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God. They will do such things because they, they have not known the Father or me. I've told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. Now, I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away the counselor, will not come to you. But if I go, I will, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt. That's a key issue. As the Holy Spirit begins to come to you, his first task is to uncover all guilt in your heart. Past and present, and what you're planning to do now. His first work is to convict of guilt. Now, he's going to convict of guilt in three ways. First, in regard to sin. in regard to sin then he's going to convict of guilt in regard to righteousness and then he's going to convict of guilt with regard to judgment now he goes he goes further He says, in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. The great sin of the human heart is to believe that we are God. To believe that we are the determiners of truth and righteousness. But we are not. He's going to convict us of righteousness unrighteousness because Jesus will no longer be here he's not going to be walking dusty roads of of Galilee so we're not going to be able to just look at his life and marvel at his love instead the Holy Spirit is going to come and reveal to us where he where we have not walked as Jesus walked. Now he's also going to come and he's going to deal with us in regard to judgment. Because the Prince of this world, who has always judged us, has now been judged. And we can now walk in intimacy with Jesus, and we can have his presence in the stories of Edwards and other great men of God. They always talk about the presence. That when the presence of Jesus is there, when the presence of the Holy Spirit is, is there in the church or in the hall or in the open-air meeting, Everybody knows the presence of God is there. It is the presence of a person of righteousness and holiness. It is the presence of someone there to convict of sin. It's the presence of Almighty God that leaves a congregation in tears on the floor, recognizing that they have sinned against the God of heaven. This presence of the Holy Spirit that is so palpable convicts a man or a woman that they must repent that their life is going by that they are guilty there is no person who has not been forgiven who is not guilty Oh, you may say i'm not guilty pastor what am i guilty of You're guilty of pretending to be God. You're guilty of not believing in the Lord Jesus. You're guilty of your pride. You're guilty of arrogance. Oh, you're guilty of many things but you have no sense of that guilt because your heart is as hard as marble. And it's going to take you some time where the Holy Spirit is allowed to soften your heart. For you to stop protesting your innocence And to begin to admit your guilt. The only way into the heart of God. The only way into the presence of Jesus. Is to let the Holy Spirit convict you. And you begin to repent of that thing. You see, you are guilty. And it's going to take you some time and some energy. Yes, you'll read the scriptures. Yes, you'll pray. That's all a part of letting the Holy Spirit soften your heart. Yes, you're going to have to turn away from doing certain things, of thinking certain ways, of speaking in certain ways. Oh, pastor, I just get angry and my temper flares and there's nothing I can do about it and God hasn't changed me. You make it sound as though you're a pitiful case. And the truth is you are a pitiful case. But there's pride underlying that pitiful case that prevents you from being honest with yourself and with others and with God about your true condition. Jesus is not going to accept you with your temper. He's made a way for the blood to come and wash away that temper. Will you confess your utter hopelessness at dealing with this problem and give it to Jesus and say Jesus I can't deal with it it's beyond my power but all things are possible for you would you remove this temper from my heart would you remove this bitterness from my soul will you remove this lust that encroaches on my my very soul and when you pray that way he will come and deliver you I urge you before this year's Thanksgiving celebration that you at least start the process of getting clean before Jesus. You start the process of of being washed. It will take time. It should not take weeks or years. It should take a day or two, or three. This is not a long, arduous process. It is allowing the Holy Spirit to bring to your heart and mind those things that he wants to deal with immediately. And then you're going to continue growing and being sanctified, and Jesus will bring to your heart and your mind your great guilt before a holy God. And you quickly repent and cry out to Jesus. Well, pastor, it sounds like this is all crying out to Jesus about how bad I am. Oh, you got it. That's reality. And he's the great comforter. And as you walk carefully. In this process. The presence of God will become very, very real to you. And you will begin to see the miracles of redemption. Happen in your life. The miracles of of redemption I almost called today's broadcast the miracle of redemption Hmm. Jesus said I have much more to say to you but it's more than you can bear but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will, not, he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. My brother, my sister, are you hungry for the intimacy of the Holy Spirit? Are you hungry for the presence of God? Do you want more? I do. And I know the only way to get more is to deal with the truth. The truth about you and the truth about Jesus. If you're bitter today or angry And you can confess to whomever you're bitter and angry with and repent. Oh, pastor, it's their fault. That will bring you into the presence of the demons of hell. That attitude will not bring you into the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I urge you today, deal honestly with him. And he will deal honestly with you. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for listening today. And I want you to know how very, very grateful I am to you for your prayers, your supplication for me, for my prayers for my healing, it will come. I stand on the promises of God. Mark 11. I know whom I serve. And he will carry me. He is carrying me all the way through. And I praise his name, and I praise his name for your love. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for each who has listened today. I thank you, Jesus, that there are men and women who are praying for me. I'm very grateful, Lord. I ask for the Holy Spirit's intercession in my life. And I to for a deeper and deeper awareness of his presence. I thank you, Jesus. And Lord, there are some today who are desperately ill, miserable. I pray that you would put your arms around them today, relieve them of their pain. Pick them up and carry them in your arms, Jesus. And there are some tough people out there, cynical and angry. Would you bring them relief in the name of Jesus? Amen.